Peter de Graaf, good morning to you. Lovely to have you with us. Yara Catherine. Peter's an RNZ reporter based in Kitty Kitty. Now, lovely to celebrate. Awanui, a finalist for the title of Most Beautiful Tiny Town in New Zealand. Yes, yeah, I'd love to um, sing Awanui's praises briefly, if I can. So this is a little town of about 400 people. It's just north of Kaitaia. And yeah, as you say, it's a finalist this year for the title of Most Beautiful Tiny Town in New Zealand. So um, I don't know how long since you've been up to Awanui, and anyone who hasn't been there for a few years might be surprised by that nomination. But um, yeah, because until a few years ago, to be honest, it was looking pretty tired, had a really run-down pub, lots of empty shops, and most people just drove through there as quick as they could on their way to Cape Hurianga. Um, But what Awanui shows is just what a group of committed, energetic locals can do to turn their town's fortunes around. Well, if they have a little bit of luck on their side as well. So back in 2007, they came up with a beautification plan, but a lack of funding meant it didn't get very far at that time. So then the COVID pandemic came along and so did the government's COVID-19 response and recovery fund. So listeners will remember at that time, there were worries about the economy crashing to a halt. So the fund was supposed to create jobs by funding projects that were shovel ready. In other words, all consented and ready to go. So um, the locals up there in Awanui jumped at the chance. They applied for a slice of that funding and they didn't get as much as they wanted, but they got enough to transform the town. So there's a whole bunch of improvements there. Um, they include big carvings at the town's entrances. There's a playground. There's a pump track for bikes and scooters, a new car park. There's free furbished public loos because that's always important, a boardwalk displays of historic photos along all the fence lines and in the windows the empty shops there's heaps more um, too much to list and it's it's really noticeable when you walk around there it's really boosted pride in the town but what's also really striking is how it's bumped up the turnover of the local businesses so what happens now is families from around that area they bring their kids to the playground and while they're there mum and dad pop down to the cafe or to the dairy and spend some money, and then all those tourists heading to Cape Oranga, so instead of just trying to get through as quick as they can, they have a bit of a look around, maybe a kai. So, of course, the cafe and the pub, they've done really well out of it, but all sorts of businesses are benefiting, and even the tie shop guy told me that his influx of new customers was just nuts. That was his word. Is this the place that's got so power pies? Just, uh-huh. Has it got power pies? They do. Or they've got a good line in pies there. Yes. What are the other claims yep. to yep. fame and, um, for Awanui? It's got a few. Um, Shane Jones, you'll be familiar with him. He grew up on a farm just on the edge of Awanui. He's still got family there. Um, another person you'll know, Hone Harawera. He lives just north of Awanui in Waimanoni. And he's a real fan. You will find him almost every morning in Awanui having a coffee. And he describes it as a lovely little town. And the one that really surprises me, given that Awanui has a population of all about 400, it has New Zealand's only specialist samurai sword shop. And um, that's run by a lovely fellow who's described as the unofficial mayor. Well, speaking of the unofficial mayor, who's the official mayor? Is this Far North District? It is part of Far North, so it's Mokotepania. Yes, I'm um, just asking because I thought the the, the mayor, exactly, um, isn't he up for an award as well? He's up for some international award, I think. Peter, you might have to go and do some research on that. um, He did. He bagged one a month ago. Did he? 
Yes, yeah, one of the world's top five young politicians. So, yeah, quite an honour. And he is off to Belfast in November to pick up his award. And it's his first time um, that he'll have ever travelled to that part of the world. So, yeah, he's pretty excited. Well, that is uh, great to hear. And there's probably going to be a mad influx now to Awanui. I hope so. Um, but lovely to hear. Um, who, you know, who are the driving forces? This is the other thing. You you said, you know, the, the locals had a beautification plan. Um, and I know, obviously, that, that the funding has been a big boost to this. But are there some real, has there been a really committed local project right from the get-go, has it? Yeah, there's been a real core of locals. So it started, as said, in 2007 with the Awanui Ratepayers and Progressive Society, and that's currently headed up by, well, the samurai sword, sword shop guy and um, someone called a lady called Susie Clark. They have been working very hard, but then so has the Kaitai Business Association, and the leader of that group at the time, Andrea Panther, really pushed it along. And so did one of the local councillors, who's another Awanui resident, Wonderful. Felicity Foy. And she was the one with the know-how to extract that money from the government. Now, we must, um, in, in brief, pay tribute to Supatu Hohepa, because I know you're going to do a much fuller um, uh, piece with us, um, I, I, I think. Or uh, have you been already to the Tangi? He is just such a, a giant... Uh, um, a totara, a mighty totara fallen, as Māori de Mull often say. Tell us a little bit more about one of Northland's preeminent scholars. Indeed, yes, Sir Patu. So he was one of Northland's leading academics, and but really his, his renown went worldwide. So he had an international reputation for his knowledge of te reo Māori, of Pacific linguistics, genealogy. He was the real go-to guy. Like If you had any questions about whakapapa in Hokianga, then you'd go and ask him. He was raised here in a bilingual household in the far north. He was the first Māori ducks of Northern College in Kaikohe. And he went on to study at Orkney University and then the US. And then later he lectured at universities here in Hawaii and some pretty prestigious places in the States. Then he became one of New Zealand's first Māori language commissioners, as a post he held for a decade. And he had all sorts of other roles with organisations, you know, like Triage of New Zealand, Auckland Art Gallery. He was likened to the late great Sir Hekanukumai Busby. So you remember how Sir Hek built those ocean-going waka mm. and revived ancient navigation techniques to reconnect Māori you know, with their kin across the Pacific. So Sir Patu did something similar, but he used language and genealogy to reforge those links. Um, he died on Friday at his home in Weimar in South Hokianga, age 87. And um, he was knighted last year in the Queen's Birthday Honours for his services to Māori and education. See, I, I did go to the tangi that finished yesterday, and you know what tangi are like, so there's all sorts of great stories and memories come out, but one thing that kept coming out about Sir Patu was just how kind he was, you know, and he, he had this incredible knowledge and all these accolades, but he was always just remarkably humble, self-effacing, very gentle, always looking out for others. Um, I mean, even I can testify to that. You know, I'd go along to events at Marae or the Waitangi Tribunal. I'd be bumbling around, you know, like a Pākehā reporter, not really knowing what I was doing. And he'd go right out of his way just to make me feel welcome and to be warm and kind. Yeah, so a, a really remarkable man. Let's finish with a mystery then. And the mystery of Whangarei's petrol prices. Is, is this one of those places where it costs twice as much on one side of town as the other or what? 
No, it's an even deeper puzzle. And the puzzle here is that Whangarei, as you know, is right next to New Zealand's main fuel import terminal at Marsden Point. So you'd think it would have among the lowest petrol prices in the country, right? Because the transport costs are, are the lowest. But according to the Commerce Commission, Whangarei actually has New Zealand's most expensive petrol prices. And, you know, so it just doesn't make sense. So next time you're filling up, I know petrol is shockingly expensive everywhere, but just spare a thought for the poor people of Whangarei who are paying even more. And, you know, the odd thing is no one seems to know why this is the case. So it's not transport costs. Um, the mayor of Whangarei is up in arms, so is the AA. And they point out that North and Scott next to no public transport. You know, it's mostly rural. People have to drive long ways to access health services or jobs. So there's really no getting around petrol costs. And of course, um, as we all know, unfortunately, Northern has more than its fair share of people who struggle to make ends meet, and that's without having to stump up extra for petrol. Is anyone trying to get to the bottom of it or or laying a formal complaint, Peter? Yes, indeed. Well, the Commerce Commission has sent a fairly stern please explain letter to the fuel companies about what it's very politely describing as pricing anomalies. Um, I've also asked the big fuel companies, so we shall see what they tell me. Um, the only theory anyone can offer up is that it's related to a lack of competition. But even that doesn't fully make sense because, you know, on the face of it, Whangarei, it's the only city in Northland. It's got more service stations, more competition than smaller places, you know, like Paihia or Kiri Kiri. And yet petrol is more expensive. So, yeah, I don't get it. If you could explain that one, Catherine, then um, that'd be great. Yes, a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to explain the anomalies of petrol prices around the country. Um uh, yes. <laughs> In fact, we had a story quite recently on that. Uh, I think those little independent retailers, wherever they flourish, you will notice a difference in prices. Thank you very much for your time. Peter de Graaf, who is an RNZ reporter based in Kitty Kitty.